You're listening to Strictly Anonymous on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your grief flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you haven't followed the Strictly Anonymous Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous or like my page on Facebook, strictly Facebook.com slash Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to my show, subscribe. If you could rate a review, rate a review. If you want to be on the show, uh, I'm done taping in June. I'm all booked up through June. I'm taking July off. I'm going to start taping again in August. I just have too many episodes taped and too much to do. So, uh, but I'm still looking for people to call in and, and I'm definitely going to be taping again in August. So if you want to call into the show and be a guest on the show, this is a call and advice show. I say it's a call and advice show, but most of the time I'm just talking to people about their naughty, secret, private lives. If you want to call in and talk about your naughty, secret, private life, or you have a problem and you're looking for some unprofessional advice because you either have no friends or your friends are sick of fucking listening to you. <laughs> Because send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. If you want to join my Patreon page, which is like my new thing, which I love because it's a whole little community that I'm going to start up over there. And there's a lot of extra content. And I've been having so much fun creating content for there. I have a, a YouTube page. Oh, I forgot to tell you, go to my YouTube page and subscribe there because I love talking to my listeners. I used to always just hear from my listeners when they said, me emails, um, private emails, because I give out my email address. But now that there's um, YouTube and that my podcasts are up there, I, so many people comment in and I get to talk back to people about uh, my episodes. And I love that. I love it as a platform. It's my favorite place to post my episodes. And like I said, my favorite place to talk to people who listen to them. So if you haven't subscribed to me on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Now I have been creating videos uh, there. You don't see my face. I decided to be anonymous as well. This is called Strictly Anonymous. I'm anonymous. My The people who call into my show is anonymous. But I show you a little bit of myself. The most you're ever going to see, you'll see on my YouTube channel, as well as on my Patreon channel. There's a couple of videos on there. Like I said, I've been having fun doing it. Uh, a couple of videos on there that are teasers uh, so that you go join my Patreon page. And I have to tell you, I love creating content for my Patreon page. I did a whole thing for the pantyhose people uh, with trying on pantyhose that one of my guests bought me. I did reviews. I did pre-reviews and all of that. I ran a contest and Jason, I got to give a shout out to Jason, Jason Tardis or Tardies. I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name, but he won the contest. He guessed which one of the pantyhose were my favorite. Uh, he was the first person who guessed and the person who actually got it right, uh, right off the bat. So if you want to join my Patreon, you don't have to be into pantyhose. I have three different tiers. One for $3 where you get all of my episodes here as well as a monthly Q&A. You get my episodes here actually early, right, For uh, on that tier. Uh, most of the time these episodes, or all the time these episodes are aired every Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. If you join my Patreon, you get these episodes Friday at noon. 
Uh, and, but I got to tell you an inside scoop too. And like my quick Q and A's that I do on monthly, I just did my first one. And I have to say, there's a lot of inside scoopage in that episode. I really give a lot more information about things behind the scenes that go down, um, on my Q and A, I'm going to do more of that. You know, people submitted questions and I answered them and through answering them, I gave, the people who are on my Patreon, a lot more information about the show. And I think it's actually really interesting information. So if you want to hear my Q and A's about my show and get early access to my show, as well as extra content, there's other tiers where you could get extra content. If you're really into pantyhose, I have extra pantyhose content. That's where I ran all those videos and uh, the contests on pantyhose. But what I do for the other tiers, I give them extra content as well new episodes exclusive episodes mostly part twos of guests that have been on and updates uh that nobody else gets you'll get those on patreon and today like i i there was also another thing that happened today i was actually putting together my uh early episode early access to the episode i was supposed to air today and something went down that i didn't feel right about airing it and I didn't, I don't know. I didn't air it an episode I was supposed to. Uh, so I'm airing this episode instead. But they got all the scoopage of why I didn't. I dumped all of that information there and just let them all know. And that's what Patreon's going to be for me. It's going to be like a private little club. I say it's like, you know, a strictly anonymous club. Like SA, like AA's Alcoholics Anonymous. This is strictly anonymous. And that's my club. It's going to be in my Patreon. And that's where you're going to get a lot more information. So if you want to be a member of that club, join there. Oh, God, it's a lot of work, these uh, intros now. Now to what I have on the show. Oh, but if you want, like I said, if you want to hear about the drama about my episode today, it's all there. So sign up for my Patreon. Patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. Today I have on... MWK. Now, MWK called in and said he was, uh, his real name, MWK stands for Master White Knight, and he's a BDSM expert. He doesn't think he's an expert, but he fucking is, okay? This guy has been tying people up since he was in high school. And when you hear his story about how he got into it, like he was like, oh, it happened by happenstance. And I'm like, how does how does you get into that just kind of that way, right? And his story is fascinating. What went down in high school and how it led to him having a BDSM silo house in college. And then which led to him having multiple subs and slaves. He has a slave that he's been with from the get go. She's been with him for 32 years. We learn all about that relationship, but he's had tons of people come in and out his silo house as well as uh, been his slaves uh, because he's an expert in everything BDSM. Like I said, he doesn't think he is, but he is. He's uh, very curious about it. He takes people in. He works with them. They become his slaves. He talks all about that. Uh, When he works with people, he's got contracts because he's been... almost in trouble many times. And we talk about that. It's fascinating. I'm telling you, like, this is a fascinating fucking episode. There's not a lot of SCX in a weird way because BDSM, you'll learn, doesn't have a lot of that involved. Sometimes there's a lot of other things as well before you get to that. Uh, But there's a lot of stuff that he does talk about that he doesn't think is sex, which to me is kind of sex. And you'll hear about that. (laughs) I don't want to give too much away. Read the intro or read the description that I write. It'll tell you all about it. But let me tell you, it's his guy is fascinating. What he does and what he set up for himself is fascinating. And I'm going to do a part two, but that will be on my Patreon. So you'll have to join patreon.com slash circulate on a podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry for all the fucking plugs. I'll be right back on with MWK. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Oh, hey, MWK. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, what, MWK, what the fuck does that stand for? It's uh, a scene name, and I go by MWK, the initials, after working with the BDSM local community. It's difficult for some dominance to refer to somebody else as a master whenever they are not submissive to them. So instead of having everybody call me Master White Knight, I go by MWK. So it's Master White Knight. That's what it stands for. And because some other people are masters, right? They're not going to be calling you master. So those people would call you MWK. Is that right? That's correct. Oh, interesting. Is that typically like what everybody does in 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 the BDSM world? Not necessarily. It's just the the people who are dominant that are comfortable with who they are don't have any hangups or issues with calling somebody else by a master title or a sir title. It's just a lot of the novice people. And since I do a lot of lifestyle community outreach, it's just easier to use the initials so that uh, it doesn't make the uh, newcomers or less experienced people squeamish. Right. So you as a master, right, you're Dom, you wouldn't yes. give a shit about calling somebody else a master, whatever, if that was their title. But the no. people, the newbies coming in aren't so used to it yet. And they have a feeling that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> first of all, I just heard that noise again. I hadn't heard it for a while, um, but I'll edit that out. Um, so really, though, the thing about you is you're in the BDSM world, right? You're a dom and you've been in this world for a very long time to the point where you're, uh, I would say, an expert, right? You do talks on it. You're very heavily involved in the community. Am I correct? I don't classify on? myself as an expert. I just classify myself as experienced and seasoned. Right. But don't you do like talks and stuff and teach other people? Or I don't know what that means. I think you said that you do speaking engagements or am i incorrect yeah there's several different lifestyle community conventions and functions that go on around the country and around the world for that matter and uh there's also local groups that put on education forums and i've been a speaker at many of them uh, across the country actually uh, mainly because of my area that i am known for which is more uh contract-based play what do you mean? Con- oh, meaning like someone just for a specific amount of time they use you? Uh, it could be session time. It could be uh, an extended period of time. But it's also that I've learned over the years to also have things written down ahead of time as far as what uh, the persons I'm working with are interested in. And also what I'm comfortable with uh, bringing to the table during that play with that individual person. So kind of like an escort? Not necessarily an escort. Because they're not paying? It's just, no. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's basically a knowledge exchange mm-hmm. and a 
a mutual respect of needs being met. And that's the reason why the total power exchange, that's what the whole point of the dominant is, is that you're gaining the power from the individual who's being submissive and giving up their power. Right. I mean, I have a, I have a million questions for you. I've talked to, I've had a couple people on, you know, that from that community. I had a guy on very early on, I would say the first year, or like the first six months that I did my show. So we're talking six years ago. He was called Power Man. That's what we called him. And he called in a couple of times to talk all about the BDSM world. And I remember being so floored by the stuff that I learned from him, right? And I forget a lot of it. But what I remember being the most surprised about was that in that world, a lot of it, it is there's like a lot of communication and word exchange and writing and homework and mental control, right? More so than the sex. The sex is what comes up down the line. But I think that a lot of people have in their mind because of Fifty Shades of Grey that this is like it's all sex, right? It's all tying people up, whipping, having sex. But there's a lot. There's so much more that goes into it. Well, actually, some BDSM, my uh, significant other, for matter of fact, uh, sex is even not part of the equation. Right. They're, when they're playing with somebody, it's not, it, even if they do engage in a sexual act mutually between them, it's that's not the focus of it. Right. And some people that I play with, I, there is no sexual thing going on between. People are exposed, naked, and vulnerable, but they're not, we're not engaged in sexual intercourse. Right. Sometimes there are some kind of like, I don't know if you use the word degrading. Like, the pa- I remember the Power Man guy telling me like there was something that he did with his sub where he invited people in and they would like come on her face, right? So like, would that not be? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would that takes place, but you wouldn't consider that a sexual act, or that is a sexual act to you when you're taught when you're um, ejaculating on the surface of the body? It would not be consist- consistent with an intercourse intimacy. It would be a physical. Uh, biological intimacy and that's how you kind of find out how the person is would process things Um, the person I played with just past Wednesday um, was a similar situation where they were wanting a stranger touching experience Uh and they wanted to be bound and without um, any um, control over what's going on. They didn't want to know who the stranger was. They didn't want to see the stranger. They didn't even want to talk with the stranger, but they wanted another set of hands besides mine on them mm-hmm. for their experience. And where were those hands going? I mean, what did they want those hands to be doing? Did they want them to be uh, like hurting them somewhat? Because sometimes there is that pain aspect involved, right? Or was it was it a pleasurable experience? I mean, what were the hands that were on them doing? Well, this past uh, session with that person, they yeah. were just wanting sensual contact exploration of their body. Uh-huh. Um, they, once I had them blindfolded, bound, tied to the bed, naked and ready to go, is whenever I talked with them about the fact that somebody was going to be there to play with them and wanted to make sure of what their limits were. And they expressed at that time that they were okay if somebody was going to to jerk off and and come on them and touch them and play with them they just didn't want any uh internal penetration other than with their dildo right but nothing personal like there's no hands or that person's and now should i assume that your subs are always women 
Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. That's strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictly anonymous podcast dot com and click on be on the show if you have a short confession that you want to get off your back call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579 that's 347-420-3579 you could call that number 24 7 i change all the voices on the confessions too so you remain anonymous the number the website and the email address will all be in the description No, not necessarily. Right. I, I play with uh, attached females, unattached females, couples. Uh, don't do much with guys, but I have done with guys before and with uh, gay couples before. So oh, interesting. I've kind of run a little bit of a gamut. Yeah. So, and does that mean, I mean, I would, I, like, I have to say, I know that you don't call yourself an expert, but the way you described how people hire you and how you go around and you do speak on the topic and everything, I would say I you have a caution. What? It's not hire me. Well, not hire. No, I know <laughs> it's not. We enter I mean, into an agreement of knowledge exchange. <laughs> right, but that's a, okay. But that's a contract. Listen, if somebody hires somebody to come into you know their workplace and talk, and they're not there's no exchange of money, but they're hiring them to come in and do something. Like you said, there's a contract going. But you also do these speaking engagements. I do think you have an expertise in this, and this is, and you are an expert. Maybe you don't want to call yourself that, but I think you. It sounds like that's what you're set up for. And then you know, all these people come in to learn from you. How long did you do it? You know, in on the other side of things, right? As just the regular dom that's playing around to becoming this person that you know people set up and come to you to experience their quote unquote fantasies. Well, now you're asking a tough question. Why? I, because it's so well, long ago. Well, it's just how I got started in to the BDSM role was kind of happenstance. Well, tell me that. That's that's probably that should sounds interesting because I don't know how it would be happenstance. Well, I and back back in 1978 when I first started doing anything of BDSM, which uh-huh. happened to be uh, tying somebody up with rope. Uh-huh. It happened to be a neighbor girl two houses down the street who was 16, just about going on 17, and I was not. Right. I was younger. Mm-hmm. How old were you? And Do you remember? Like 7, 6, 10, 12? Well, 78 would put me at 13, almost 14. Okay. So kind of older girl in your neighborhood. Somehow you guys get to playing around and she's like, tie me up and you tie her up. Or did you want to tie her up? Like, I mean. No, she wanted me to tie her up. And the first two times she was fully clothed. She just wanted bondage. Right. Okay. And after the first two times of tying her up and everything else, she then started wanting to do it without any clothes. And. It was probably about three months in after we had played like that for about a dozen times that she had some friends over and one of her girlfriends wanted to get tied up as well. Wow. And so basically my high school life 
kind of came about being the unusual guy that walked around with a canvas bag with some rope in it that people didn't <laughs> want to be seen talking to, but yet wanted to have a conversation with. Why? Did everyone kind of know what was in your bag? I mean, was was there like unspoken word on the street that you were the guy that tied people up? Basically, yes. Oh, so why? Those girls, it, it got around like it wasn't oh, just yes. those two girls? Oh, no. <laughs> it went wildfire. Oh, my God. What town did you live in uh, Live in that this was going down in high school? <laughs> well, it's kind of unusual, but the town that I was in, especially in my high school years, was known as uh, number three in the state for teenage alcohol, uh, number three in the state for uh, teenage uh, drugs and number six in the state for teenage pregnancy. Pregnancy, right? Oh, so everyone was get so people were out of control. <laughs> you would think that in a town with basically twenty four thousand people with twenty eight churches in it. Right. Well, there you go. That's what happens. <laughs> I mean, is twenty four? Let me ask you this though, because I could be a little. I don't know if the correct word would be dumb, but this is like, is twenty four thousand people in a town? Not a lot of people. That's what I'm assuming, right? That that's not a lot in a town. And 28 churches is a a very a lot of churches in a town, right? Yeah, it's a small town that's too big to know everybody in town, but it's too small to call it a a big city. Right. But the the church amount, when you say there's 28 churches, that's like a lot, right? Well, if you think about it, if you an average church has three to six thousand participants in it. Yeah, that's a a large amount. And there's a lot more churches than what normally would be supported by a community. Right. So it was a religious community is the long way yes. of saying it. <laughs> You're right. OK, so but that's always isn't it the way that it was. I remember once I dated someone in Nashville and I went out to visit him and it was like so it was so interesting because he was like, there's so much religion here, but there's so much porn, too. Right. Like there was all these porn shops and all these churches at the yeah. same time. Right. It's always sort of coincides, but maybe Nashville. because there's so much repression. Of it. But Nashville also happens to be a state capital city. Right. And also a college exploration town. Right. So you got a lot of that going on anyway. Yes. So there's probably anytime a lot of SEX. College, yeah. Anytime you get politics around youth, uh-huh. you're going to have a lot. Right. And uh, whenever you get alcohol involved with people, you're going to have a lot of SEX. So I, because I would be surprised. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, right, that like people. I don't know. There was stuff going down in high school. But back in that day, especially with women, it was still very stigmatized like sluts. You know, that's like when that word it was like such a bad word to be called. And, you know, the women that were doing things and being very sexually active at a young age, it was very undercover because there would be stigmas attached to it. Right. That's what I remember. Yes, it, it, it has come to a different evolution and in the last 40, 50 years. Right. That's what but I'm just I'm so I'm just saying that I'm surprised that those girls and what that what they were doing, you know, that they spread the word and then that it was being done so much by a lot of people, you know. But you have to also remember, too, this was not sexual. Right. Well, they were naked this, and you were tying them up, right? Yes, it was, sexual? it was. I think that's. I consider it's very it sexual. intimate, right? It's very intimate and very vulnerable, uh-huh. and that was the big thing was that they wanted to feel exposed and vulnerable, 
but yeah. yet they also wanted somebody that they would be safe around not to take advantage of it. Right. And like how many women in your high school years were you playing that game with or that you tied up? How many? I, Do, can you count? Was it like four? Oh, more than that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and just the, the four years in high school. Yeah. Yeah. A little over a dozen people and some of them up into almost 30 years of age. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. So you would get calls from women or much older or, or men, too, at that time? Or was it just women in your high school years? Uh, a couple mothers. Really? Uh, neighbors of girls. Right. But always women, right, at this point? Um, yes. Okay. I didn't start dealing with men, men until I was in college and... At that point, I was running a BDSM silo house. Yeah, well, let's not skip to there because I'm still fascinated okay. by what was going down in high school. Okay, because <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, am I the only one to think that that's like pretty crazy, especially in 1970 something? Okay, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, 78, 82. Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, that's pretty hardcore for those times. Um, and now how... Did the first mom even contact you? Like, we're talking about a time where there's no text messaging. You know, it's harder to get in touch with somebody to hook things up. Okay, right? So did she, like, leave a post-it on your car? Like, I mean, how did the mom contact you? She can't call your house because your mom's going to answer the phone. Like, how do you hook up with these moms? A lot of times, the mom would just have a conversation with me the girl's neighbor uh, would want to talk with me about what I was doing with the young lady. And then things would progress into what they wanted to experiment, experience themselves. Nobody was horrified that this was going on. I had uh, two or three people that were invited to see what was going on that balked at it but yet um, since no sex was going on and things of that nature there was nothing more than a conversation that was had I'm so shocked because that you would think like a mom would come out and find out that here's this guy that's like tying girls up naked <laughs> that there might be some concerned instead these were women that would find out and then be like hmm tie me up too well, yeah. right. <laughs> it, uh, uh-huh. I, the 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 moms that I played with, the two, yeah. Neither one of them did I play with. Did I tie up the daughter? The daughter was just aware of it, and the mom wanted to talk with me. The uh, other older women that I uh, did play with. They were like neighbors of the young girls because the young girls were confiding in them. Right. That they didn't okay. Right. In their parents, what was going on? So therefore, the the uh, women would want to talk with me to make sure that I didn't have any intent of of raping the girl when she was tied up and stuff of that nature. Okay. So there was a little bit concern, right? But then that concern yes. turned into their own curiosity, and then it turned into their they had an experience with you. Yes. Interesting. Oh, my God. Did any of them ever? Because I know that you don't think being naked, right, is sexual. Did any of them ever with any of these people in high school? Did it ever cross the line where you had sex with any of these women? 
Yes. Okay. And now, did you have girlfriends or anything like that during that time? Or were girls freaked out by you because they knew that this is what you did? Did you have any relationships? I did have a, uh, actually two girlfriends in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, one from a neighboring town and one from the town itself. Of course, the from in town, she was two years older. So I was a junior. I mean, I was a, a junior and she had already graduated high school. Right. But... When I was freshman and sophomore, we dated each other. Right. And then did she know, would you, would you continue to do what you were doing, you know, with the tying up? Or was that something that you stopped when you were with her? Uh, no. I mean, we dated and went out and had a good time, um, kissed, made out, you know, parking and all the good stuff. But it was a relationship with them and a service to the others. Right. But did the relationship person know about the others? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, but actually, both of them did. Yeah. Right. Because I know you're the person that you're with now. Do you, Are you married now? I mean, I know you said you had no. a partner. But the person I, you're uh, with now does know. I divorced my wife right. many years ago. Matter of fact, fired her in a bunch <laughs> of issues. <laughs> uh, fired her. You mean from being your wife? <laughs> Yes. Uh, Even at the final divorce hearing, the judge offered her the opportunity for an additional 180 180 days in jail because she already went to jail over the divorce. Why? What did she do? She just went all... No other way to explain it. That shit crazy. Oh, okay. She threatened to bring the governor in. She threatened to bring religious leaders in. She threatened to bring in a lot of other people into my divorce. She wanted a television divorce. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. But why? Because of what went down? I mean, did she know about your whole BDSM thing? Was she involved in it? Oh, did you have an open relationship with her? We had what was referred to as a limited relationship, meaning for the 14 years that we were married and living together, I did cut off my involvement within the BDSM lifestyle community uh-huh. and was trying to do a vanilla marriage with her. Yeah. Without any type of BDSM, with the one agreement of of retaining my one sex life. Right. And that's the and, one that you've had even to this day. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've had her since 1988. Yeah. So okay. 32 years. Yeah. And um, so the situation was she was okay with the marriage as long as it was not in the home. Um, did not come back to, to her socially and uh was not with uh family money so to speak what do you mean not with family money meaning you didn't well, give her words, any i money. wasn't spending money uh, right. taking my slave on trips and stuff yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah, and yeah i got it taking away place. from yeah right yeah. your family uh-huh and that worked for her and for you for the 14 years until she went crazy and then tried to divorce you <laughs> did she try yes. to bring up all that stuff in your in the divorce, is that what made it really messy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's the reason why she wanted to bring in the governor and a whole bunch of other things. It's because I sat on a committee appointed by the governor, and I've, I'm, I'm big in the community and, and active in the non-BDSM community as well as in the BDSM community. So oh, wow. I'm, Did she fuck it up for you? Uh, no. She, she tried to, but I had very good attorneys to keep things in check and it just took three years to actually get divorced 
Right, but the people in the community where you exist that don't, that, you know, that's separate from the BDSM world, did they ever find out, or I'm assuming no, like your lawyers were able to keep it from getting out there? Um, some of them were told what I was doing. Uh-huh. Uh, most of them uh, either chose not to talk with me about it or just dismiss it as just a divorce per- or process yeah, yeah. of divorce. Yeah. But basically, they knew my accomplishments within the community outside of BDSM. So they were comfortable with who I was, no matter what my interest may be. Yeah. And you know what? It's like a male female thing. Like in the woman in the female community, it would be a very different experience. But men are just cooler with other men like that. You know what I mean? Like they because they got their own shit that they know that they're doing behind closed doors. So who are they? You know, I find that men are not so judgmental with other men it that happens more with women i think and i don't know and cro- and like a woman to a man but i feel like men are cooler with other men does that make sense i, I don't think it's necessarily no? cooler i think it's more accepting yeah because they understand the yeah that that everybody has their thing yeah and it may be a part of you but it may not be who you are right right of course Where, unfortunately in the female side of things, it's a little bit more judgmental totally. and people want to compartmentalize things. Yeah. And, and, and listen, cause it's no different for somebody else. It's not all who you are, but that's what they make it. That that's right. how they make it. Right. And so back in the day, let's go back to you're in high school. I want to see how you transition from high school to the point where you're in college, like you said, and you have this whole community that you sort of set up. You were always like a little leader, wannabe leader. I mean, like, I don't know if it was because those girls sort of set you up that way. I mean, it's very odd. It is like when you said, oh, it happened by happenstance. You know, it's like I was like, how could that be? Right. But it really was I mean, before those girls got you into tying them up, right, and becoming who you were in that town, were you ever into that kind of stuff? Um, I was aware of it. Uh-huh. Was interest, I mean, I was 13 years of age. I yeah. was becoming aware of sexuality and, yeah, yeah. and things of that nature. But I was not, I would not say I was overly exposed to it. My uh-huh. parents are still married today. And live, you know, uh, with each other and uh, for the most part are pretty happy. Of course, they get on each other's nerves at times like most married people do. Yeah. But uh, there was no, you know, there was no childhood trauma or anything of that nature. However, I was observant. I was uh, thoughtful Uh and I processed what environment I had around me. Right. But Um, these girls sort of chose you and then you just became, you know, that guy that's walking around high school with a bag of stuff. And now you are sort of like boss man of what you do at a very young age. Yeah, it was kind of I I have a leadership era about me. Yeah. Even in my professional life or my private. It started back then. Sexual life. Yes. To me, that's what I see you as, as a, like a little kid walking around high school. Like you said, I had this bag and everyone knew who I was, but nobody, t- you know, it's like it was like set up that way for you to become who you were and who you yes. are now for sure. So when you get into college, how do you build on it? Like, where does it where does it go? I mean, you know, in, in high school, you're with the women and you're with these older women. And how does it transition to now you're going to you do 
you you're creating a like a community of of people because well, yeah, you're out I, of town, right? And nobody knows what you're doing in college. Well, I, I yeah, I wasn't that far out of town. I okay, was, uh, a county away to, to college. Okay, uh, but and back in that era too, it was a totally different point uh, because you weren't able to. It, it was you didn't have the internet. You didn't have a whole lot of different ways to to promote yourself yeah. or to talk with people. And when I was in college, I was more sexually active and everything else. And but yet I still had people coming to me wanting the BDSM, uh-huh. except for now a lot more of them were wanting the sexual play as well. And at that time, the biggest way to meet people was to advertise in classified ads in the back of swinger magazines right. for that area of the country. Uh-huh. Except for the swinger magazines would not run your ad if it mentioned BDSM. Oh, really? Because that was illegal and they wouldn't touch it. Okay. However, promoting uh, uh, sexual acts between multiple partners is perfectly legal and that that's what their business was based on. Right. So how do you get around that? Well, you had to use codes. <laughs> yeah, what were the codes? <laughs> Different phrases and everything else. Right. Uh, strong, confident male seeking uh, female, um, i trying to think of some of the ads, uh, seeking yeah. a female who is interested in being guided on a new path. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's clear, you know, it's it's clear, but you could never use like a you could never use the word submissive, right, or dominant because Correct. that would be the that's a a, a no no. That was a red flag. And up until 2013, uh-huh. when uh, DMS five came out, and different state laws started to. Uh, be adopted off of the DSM-5, uh-huh. that's when things became a lot more, uh, came easier. Right. Because until DSM-5 came out, with the DSM-4 uh, understanding, BDSM or bondage was a mental disease. Oh, really? And then what is, what is, what is DSM-4 and 5 or whatever the oh, fuck you're talking about? I apologize. I'm going to bastardize the name, but it's like uh, uh, definition of uh, – it, it's the psychological standard uh-huh. for mental uh, disorders. Right. And it's how state governments write their laws to what is legal and illegal within their boundaries. Oh, okay. Because of of like the mental, whether it's it's deemed like a mental disorder or something that's okay to do for a normal person. Yeah, because fantasy right. and exploration in DDSM and in the DMS five is is a healthy expression of right. the uh, human psychological system. Uh-huh. As long as it's not a deviancy, which yeah. is something that extends more than six months of time. Uh, that where your majority of your focus cannot process other things. Right. Other so words, it becomes like obsessive, job. right? Because you're yes. just into this, whatever it is. Right. That's a, that's a mental disorder versus healthy 
mental exploration and play. Right. So that's when this DSM five and I see it now. I Googled it right in front of you. I'm going to post this up um, like on Instagram when it comes out. But because it's interesting. So with this, they sort of put this out at some point in your journey and it D and or recently where you gave the date you just did. Right. And then it was once it was distinguished and it was shown to not be something illegal anymore. Right. And it was okay. You were allowed to mention bondage and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't quote unquote. Well, well, socially you were allowed to do things beforehand. The deal is you could be criminally liable for it. Right. That's what I'm saying this. And now once that came out, it made it okay. Right. Because they didn't deem it illegal or whatever. Right. Some States, because some States have not fully modified their, um, their penal code. Oh, interesting. Five considerations. Right. Okay. So let's go back to college now. When does it become that you have like this whole that that you start to do stuff with guys? Well, I I basically started up a BDSM silo house. You're right. What's that? It was a place where people would come to me and we would do power exchange and BDSM. Uh Uh, Some of it sexual, some of it not. And the deal was that they knew that I played with other playmates, but yet were not interested in playing with anybody else other than me or their partner that they had at the time. Okay. So they couldn't go out and get another one of you, but they could have a partner. Yes. Okay. So they wouldn't come to my place and expect to have somebody else play with them. Right. Okay. They either brought their playmate with them to play, have me play with them, or they came by themselves and were comfortable that I didn't have somebody else to 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 play with them. Right. Okay. And that's where I started dealing with a lot more Couples. people that were in relationships, either uh-huh. married or committed relationships, and some of them, most of them were man and woman couples, but I had this one uh, gay couple that both of them were submissive. And both of them wanted bondage, and they wanted a predicament bondage, but yet neither one of them wanted to be the one tying the other one up. Right. Well, what's predicament bondage? Uh, Predicament bondage is, let's say, that you tie them in a way in which they have limited mobility. Uh Uh-huh. And if um, if they relaxed, they were denied the gratification of what they were seeking, but yet they weren't released to be able to do anything about it and tying them up in a way in which they could not, they both were being denied gratification if they released, therefore they had to strain in order to get their gratification. Oh, okay. And of course that wouldn't work for them to do to each other because they're both totally restrained. They needed a third person to do that and that became Yes. Yes. And what was it about you that decided that you wanted to, I mean, when did you realize that you want, that you wanted to have so many partners and, and not partners cause they're not really partners, but be this person where you wanted to have all these people coming in and out. Was it a, was it a part of you that wanted to like help people quote unquote or. Well, I mean, I was going to college at the yeah. time. I was at that phase in life where I was winning more knowledge. Uh huh. And since I started in the realm as a rope, rigor in other words tying people up right i was wanting to get a lot more experience and knowledge on how to do that everything from shibari suspension to shibari to everything 
I had a Shibari so, guy in here. That's the only reason why I know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I would never have known. I mean, it's a whole world. Right. So since I was wanting to have more knowledge and yeah. the particular playmates I had maybe were not interested in a particular area, so therefore I needed to have more subjects in order to uh, experiment with. Right. So it was curiosity in you of really learning mm-hmm. everything about this world that you were in. Correct. Right. And now the I know that the woman that you're with is it's 32 years. So you didn't meet her in college, right? You met her later down the line. You didn't meet your wife. Oh, no, Did yeah. you meet your wife in college? Uh, no, okay. uh, we met uh, later on, too. Matter of fact, we met while I had the silo house open and I had a bad experience. Uh huh. And I had just met my slave at that time. Uh, at that time, we she wasn't my slave necessarily. Who the one that's your yet, slave now? Yeah. Okay. We've we've, uh, we've been in a master slave relationship for quite some time. Right. <laughs> um, but I had a bad experience uh, and decided to shut down the silo house mainly because I had a particular playmate who became obsessive. Oh, really? The one a sub? Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, subs, right? Yes. Yeah. She, okay. She was perfectly fine. Uh, Pam the Red. Uh, was her scene name. Um, she was perfectly fine with being played with and everything else, except for she developed a a uh, interest in me romantically and wanted to possess me as her own. Uh-huh. And the deal was in the silo house, if it's not your time to be over to be tied up, yeah. then you don't come around. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I hate to say this, but like some guys are sitting here thinking like you just, uh, you know, it sounds very like all thought out and planned. But like, really, like you, you created like the perfect world for yourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it just, uh, you know, I also, in that, case, in that case, I also created the perfect storm for myself. Right. Because, with this lady, with Pamela Blue yes, or whatever. Right. Uh huh. Because I was supposed to be playing with my slave that day i was at work and she was supposed to come in and i had a list of chores for her to do she was being submissive to me and exploring her sexuality and i come home from work and i walk in the door and i see uh who is my slave now sitting at the dining table uh facing the door with deer in the headlight expression (laughs) like what the fuck's going on yeah I uh, am walking in, and Pam the Red is sitting on the couch facing the patio. Right. And, and uh, so I just calmly let them uh, uh, continue the conversation that they were on, as my slave was pretty freaked out at the moment. Right. I went into the kitchen and made myself a ref- cold, refreshing drink and came into the living room, sat down in the chair, and talking amongst the three of us basically calmly uh, said, well, I guess it's time now that we uh, move to the next phase. And I told my slave to go into the other room and prepare herself. And I would be in a moment. And then I told Pamela Red that, uh, it, you know, I basically asked her the questions. I said, is it time for you to be here? And of course she said, no. I said, are you supposed to be here without permission? And she just said, no. Then I said, it's time for you to leave then. And we will discuss <laughs> it at the next time that you're scheduled to be here. Yeah. And basically 
put my hand out and she put her hand in and I helped her up off the couch, walked to the door. She stepped out the door and I locked the door. Uh-huh. But was that the only time she came over? Cause that, I mean, or did she never, like, that, did she that was find it hard to I'm, cut court? That was the time that she violated the rules. Right. But, and so I, I go in to work with my slave yeah. and of course, part of the rules was if somebody's at the door, don't answer it. If somebody talks to you, be respectful to them, but don't let them in the house and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I go over the fact, these are the rules and you knew what the rules are. And of course, she got punished because she let Pamela Red into the house when she knew that that was a violation of the rules. Oh, okay. But that's not to say the punishment that came to Pamela Red. What was the punishment that came to Pamela Red? Well, since it's well over seven years, I can't be criminally held for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, our next little session, uh, she got whipped to the point that she was bleeding for five days. But did she like that? Well, to me, at the time, I was dishing out punishment. Right. But even three days later, while she was still uh, padded and healing and bleeding... Uh huh. She was asking if she could do it again. Right. So she wanted, but did you like? Were you doing it out of, you know, anger, or were you doing it out of like this is what you do in this world, and you're playing like a role, and you know that on some level she likes it? Was there? Do you have like? Because I'm assuming, and I've heard like there are safe words and stuff that people have and oh, they yes. set up, right? So I mean, there oh, was yes. no sort of boundaries that you were crossing, or did you in that time that you were no. punishing her, right? Every one of my contracts basically has a safe word for the person to stop because of a need, right? And we could re we could readdress things or stop because we hit the fuck it. Right. But also because like in that scenario where she could be like, oh, no, like this is not what I want. You know, this is like you're crossing a line. This really hurts. I don't want this. And, you know, so the whole, all bets would be off. Like if she said her safe word during the time, you would have stopped, I'm assuming. Right. Oh, yes. OK. I have done that many a times. I, right. I had a different playmate that I was up in St. Louis playing with at a house dungeon in St. Louis. Yeah. And she thought it would be good to call safe word in the dungeon because she was wanting to be a brat. Right. And guess what? You stopped. The fuck it hit. Right. <laughs> we stopped right then. And she was so disappointed because the rest of the evening, the tone was off. Right. Cause you took that literally and those are the rules. And now she's fucked and can't get any more action because she called the safe word is what you're saying. Right. Yes. Like that's her punishment. So in that time, yeah. you're not really, because I got to say like people listening when you say, Oh, and I, you know, I'm not going to be arrested. I'll tell you, I beat her till she bled. Like, you know, you could get a picture of some guy that's like, uh, going off the rails because he doesn't have control of someone and now he's beating the shit out of a girl, right? It's not that scenario. No. It, no. it, it really is. This is what it's set up. You're playing a role. She's playing a role. And every it's there's consent in there, right? Even in oh, that yes. situation, right? Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure. Because <laughs> Even just, whenever I've done rape play, there's consent. There's a range deal. And they just have to know between this date and time and this date and time yeah. that... Uh, they authorized me to basically rape them. 
Right. And that's what they want. And but if, if, yes. they, if something happened, they were getting hurt. There's all those safe words. And there is always because I think that you can't really submit to someone if you don't feel ultimately safe or trust somebody. Right. And you get to that point with all of these people. Right. Right. There has to and, be and that. And that over development of the the play uh, mate over a period of time. That's one thing my attorneys love about my contracts is because I'm not saying, okay, on January the 1st until, you know, October the 31st, you will be mine and this is what you're going to do. Oh, no, I do multiple contracts, multiple sessions, and it develops a history of what the person wants. And in between times, they can modify the, the agreement. What do you mean attorneys? Real attorneys? Oh, yes. I have Real contracts? Oh, yes. Why I, do you have attorneys have, involved in it? Well, because I've actually had uh, police and sheriff detectives out and investigating things at times. Because of what you've done to people? Yes. Right. And then they go and uh, report it or someone found out and then they report you and you almost get in trouble. And now you want to put it all down in writing so that everybody knows that this is all, like I said, well, mutually I, I have it in writing before I, before I actually lay hands on them. Right. Uh-huh. If I if I don't have a contract with the person, I don't put my hands on. Right. Uh huh. How did you find a uh, lawyer? Like, were, were these your regular lawyers for other things? Then you're like, hey, I got to tell you, I got something else that I want you to draft up contracts for. Like, how do you find a lawyer that you feel comfortable with enough to bring to, you know, to the table this kind of these kind of contracts? I mean, they must love you because you probably have contracts all the time coming. You know, you're using them a lot. You pay them. They probably make good money off of you. Well, I haven't used them that much, no? <laughs> but like I said, I'm very active in the community outside uh -huh. of BDSM. Yeah. Um, in the county in which I live is a major metropolitan county, and there's probably less than five judges that I don't know on a first name basis. Right. Okay. Uh, the district attorney for the county and I know each other. The sheriff and I know each other. Right. So... I'm, I'm doing other things as well, so it's easy for me to understand, okay, if I get into trouble, who would be a good attorney to use for whatever purpose? Right. But now what you do, you try to do, because you've had times in the past. Was it ever a sub that went and got someone involved to come after you or, like, get you in trouble? like, Or was it always someone outside of the relationship that maybe thought that person needed help or some, or looked at you that you did something bad or was it ever, or, or is it the actual women that you were dealing with or men? Well, the, the true answer to that question yeah. is the fact it's always the other person that I'm involved with that does so. Right. Always. Right. Because for one of my biggest examples, which I had an investigation for about three weeks. Yeah. Um, I was playing with a young lady who was in a relationship, a fiance, and they were supposed to be getting married. She said that they were in an open relationship, that the fiance knew that she was interested in a particular type of oh, play. Oh, yeah, they I know where this is themselves. going. Uh -huh. And therefore, they wanted to experience it through me. Uh huh. And we negotiated things. And some of the things that they negotiated for was to also have been leaving marks behind. Right. Bruises. Yeah. Okay. So we had played like five, six times before. Uh, I think it was six times we had played before. Uh, and 
So we had graduated things up to the area that she was more interested in, which would have left some marks. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like two days later, I get that proverbial knock at the door, and I have two sheriff's de- uh, detectives standing on my front porch. Right. And the first question I've always asked any time that I've been at a hotel and playing and hotel staff comes by or something like that is, uh, well, with the detectives, I always ask, tell me the name of the person, the date in question. Right. That's what you say. That's your question. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because once they tell me that, I ask them, please come in, have a seat. We'll discuss this. Let me go get a document that you'll want to read. Right. And I go, and if it's a hotel, hotel staff, it's like, okay, knock, knock, knock at the door. We have complaints of noise. You know, want to make sure everything is okay. I usually say, I answer the door with the contract in hand, uh-huh. and I say, here's a contract. They're in there. I'm standing out here in the hallway. Ask them any question that you want. When you're done asking them questions, give me the document back. Right. So the detectives, it was the same situation. It's like, okay, you're about this person on this date. I need you to read this document. You may have a copy of the document, but it's my document to keep, and I'll answer any question you have after you've read through the document. Right. So how far did they have to take that? Once they got that document, was like it a case closed, or did you have to? Did it go further? And you had to really? Did you guys have it to went come for face about to face? Three weeks. Okay, and then they came to the conclusion that it was a you know mutually agreed consensual. upon contract, right? Consensual between yeah. you guys, and she just well, got busted. For that particular time, the significant or the fiance yeah. was friends with the police, a police officer, had family members as a police officer, and they took it and pushed the issue for investigation. Right. So her guy wasn't really in on it to begin with. No. That was bullshit. So that's why it, it tends. That's what typically happens that and it tends to go because there is a lot of bruising and stuff left behind. Right. And if someone gets busted it depends on what they're interested in exploring. Though. Right. True. Uh-huh. But yeah, if, if there's marks left behind or things of, of that nature, and depending upon what's going on, uh, even in the state that I'm in now, uh, I have to be aware because for up to seven years after putting my hands on somebody, yeah. I could be criminally charged with assault. Right. Now, let me ask you this, because you said, and I don't want to get too into the, this legal stuff, right? Because there's just still a million questions I have. Uh, did you ever, cause I mean, it's, it seems like you tend to get out of these things, right? And it seems like it hasn't happened just on this one occasion. Were there, no, has there I've ever been, been in a, court with her before? Yeah. Was there ever a time that you actually had to, that you actually got in trouble and it didn't go in your favor? Been to court and had to justify myself in front of a judge. And my attorneys had to be there to, uh, shepherd it through the court system right but i've never been convicted of any assault never uh, been uh no charges have ever been uh that's the word i'm looking for uh validated right uh-huh. through the process right and let me ask you this because I, I i power man's the only other dom that i ever talked to uh is this some is this common for other people or is it just common for you because you see so many people or you've had like you've been doing this for so long or is this something that happens to a lot of doms that have a lot of subs hanging around it 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 depends on what's going on i mean up until 
2003, it was very common for people to be, uh, for, for problems to be made for people who engaged in BDSM, even if it was just with one partner. Right, okay. Uh, after 2003, it became less of an issue unless you had uh, particular areas that a BDSM that you were playing within, or if it was dealing with family court issues. Right. And so after, so body. all of these things that you're talking about that happened, you know, where people are, you know, when they come to your door and that stuff, like that happened before 2003. And since then, yes. it's been pretty quiet for you. Everything's been okay. Besides your uh, ex-wife. Well, yeah, uh, the ex-wife wanted to bring things up and that got uh, easily, fairly easily uh, pushed down. Yeah. And I've been to court one time with one other individual since then. Okay. So, and so that's not really a lot. So now your wife, where, when do you meet hers? I think you were saying that the story that went bad with the sub, right? I mean, I, I find it, I think that his story is interesting in that, like in your world, like you you, you started out the story of the one that went bad, right? That, Oh, like I had someone that became obsessed with me and she really just, I mean, was it one time that she came to your house when she wasn't no, allowed? It, it, she she actually moved into the same apartment complex that I was in. Oh, okay. So she, she was, it definitely, because I was going to say it didn't sound like she was so obsessed. Was right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a real cuckoo for Cocoa Puff yeah. situation. Okay. So it, was, it wouldn't be like in your world where one time she doesn't obey the law and you're like, she, she's no. done. Okay. So now this no. is when you met your wife, right? You said it had something to do with that bad experience. Well, about that same time, yeah. I was dating the person that became my wife. Okay. And we were dating each other because I had a regular you know, nine to five job. And yeah. we met at work and she liked me and I liked her. We went out and started dating and had a relationship and did she I know was, about silo house uh she knew that i was playing in bdsm with other people okay she i had told also expressed because of this situation with pamela red that i was going to be shutting down my silo house that i was not, not going to do that anymore i wanted to do something more traditional more vanilla family-based uh-huh and she said hey you know i like you i would like to be you know married i'd like to have a family and, and go from there. And I'm like, well, then this might work out for us. However, I do have, you know, it's interest in GDSM and I would be interested in keeping this one playmate since she might tend to be wife was not interested in BDSM. That right, way I would I have a BDSM outlet. Oh, and yeah. my, my, uh, playmate at that time, she, uh, well, anyhow, my, who became my slave at that time. Yeah. Um, she had some other things going on that I was not interested in being married to her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mainly because the personality and the type of play that she's into is what we refer to as a fire blanket. What's that? A person that wants so much from the other person power exchange that they smother the life out of the existence. <laughs> oh God. And she wanted to be smothered by you, right? Uh, she, well, the personality, the, the type of dynamics that she is. Yeah. It would take everything that I would have just to keep her happily on the edge. Right. And that's what she and needs. I, and that's what she was into yeah. when she would play with you. And that would be exhausting. Yes. 
Exactly. Yeah, to be it, married it was to too that. intense. Yeah. That's the reason why my slave and I have never lived together domestically. Right. Even though we've been together for 32 years. Right. This is the same one. Uh-huh. Yeah. She uh-huh. has been married twice in that 32 years. And right. Has a child by the first husband. Uh-huh. And did her husbands always know about you? Yes. Okay. Interesting. And your wife knew about her? Yes. But and didn't you, know her. Right. That was the deal is. She didn't want to be socially connected. She didn't want to, you know, didn't want it to happen at our home. Yeah. And didn't want it to come back to her. Right. Or, uh-huh. Or joint funds. Right. And now that woman, so she continued on after your wife moved on. She had two husbands. And now did you, uh, did you see anybody else or did you just strictly keep it, you know, like you said, agreed with your wife? Oh, not until I filed for divorce did I do anything else with the community. I right. had people contacting me uh-huh. uh, and wanting to do more. And I said, no, I'm retired. I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. Here's somebody that you need to go talk to or, right. or somebody else that would be good in that area. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Right. And then uh, and so then you're married, you're keeping it, you're doing what you said you would do. You have this more vanilla married life that you thought you wanted. Then your wife goes off the rails or whatever happens there. She divorces you. Now you're free and single. And then I'm assuming that's when you got back into things. Did you go on FetLife then? Is that when FetLife started for you? uh, Back into the the community lifestyle and and. got into the different social boards and everything else because i mean at that time too um it was post oh uh, i guess bb see the swinger magazine because the evolution of technology to finding people went from swinger magazines to bbs's Uh uh to uh internet uh postings to uh craigslist or Yahoo groups, and then to uh, things like FetLife and, and Reddit. And stuff. Right, right. So that all was all of a sudden happening now, right? Uh, so at least some of yeah. it after you divorce your wife. So now you get back into community that way. And then I right. assume that you establish yourself and get more people again. Did you create sort of a silo house, but now you could just kind of do it virtually and and well, get I, more, multiple people going again? Well, I, I had established myself and I had this silo house within the local community. So a lot of the dominance and and community leaders in the area that from that time were still in the community at the time. So okay. And you're still in the me. neighborhood. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, the, one of the, the masters of the dungeons in the area knew me from whenever I had my silo house. So it was easy for me just to kind of walk in the door. Wow. I feel like, you know, we're almost at an hour and I'm going to have to go in like five minutes. I feel like I could do a a whole nother hour with you. I have like a million questions. It's very (laughs) different. You know, I haven't gotten to a lot of like the rules and regulations and the stuff that goes down in this world because there's this fascinating backstory to you, I feel like. And it's like everything you say just leads to another question for me because, uh, you know, because there's this really 
you're involved in it in a different way, right? That's why I'll always talk to people that are uh, the same topic, right? Because it's always going to be a different story because it's a different person. And your story right. is very interesting. And I had to get the whole backstory, but I want to know a lot more just about BDSM and how that world is. And because there's so many, there's little stuff that you sprinkled through and talked about, right? In this conversation, but I feel like there's so much more and I don't want to try to cram it all into this one because I, we don't have time. I'm not going to make a two hour podcast. But I love to. I think we should end it here and maybe do a part two if you'd be interested. Uh, I would be interested. It'd be okay. Right? Why like not? Said, we I, could just I, do another I, conversation next week. We tape one, right? Or is that okay with you? Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm all about education and, and helping people understand what's going on with them. And even in my talks I do at different forums, I always tell people ask the same question of, of three or more people, find, listen to their answers. Find the truth in what resonates with you. Right. Because nobody's going to have the answer that fits you until you hear it from multiple points. Right. But what's interesting about you and the BDSM world is that because you interact with so many different people and you're so curious about so much, you have, you know, a lot of information on a, a lot probably more than most people involved in the world would, right? I think when I spoke with Power Man, it was what he was into and what he did with his slaves and how he worked it was probably a much smaller scope than the way you do, right? So I feel like there's a lot more that you could talk about regarding BDSM in general and that world and what people do and what people are into. We haven't even touched upon that yet, I feel like. No. And I would like to. So we're going to yeah. have to. Do, and I, like I said, I don't want to rush it, right? Because I could go for another yeah. 15 minutes. I have podcasts an hour and 15, but I don't think it's 15 <laughs> minutes. I'll just, let's just do a part two when we get, you know, because this is like your backstory and then we'll get into uh, hearing more. So you're going yeah, to have to, what were you going to say? Yeah, community BDSM, even within the United States, there's yeah. three different areas, the Northeast, the East, and the West. And uh-huh. depending upon where you're at, there's different styles within BDSM. Yeah, forget about it. Like, there's so. just too much. We need a whole, <laughs> yeah. uh, right? Because, like, I've been trying, it's like, I really, I find it fascinating, everything you've told me so far. And I, there were so many times, like, my mind was thinking, like, oh, make a note to ask about that. And then this, I, it's like, I could have went in so many different directions so many times, right? Because you're telling me a lot of stuff I haven't heard before. Like I said, mm-hmm. A, because you've lived a very specific and interesting life and have that kind of an interesting backstory. And then B, because you know so much about the world because you were so involved in it. I have so many more questions. So we're going to have to do a part two. So, okay. all right. So thanks <laughs> yeah. for calling in now. And if anyone wants to hear more, you're going to hear more because we will do a part two for MWK, right? Master, what What the fuck does your Master think? White Knight, MWK. Ma- Master White Knight, MWK. He will be back on. So thanks so much for calling in and we're going to have, we're going to talk again. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show. Let your freak flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. 